0: Hey everybody, this is episode 44 of the 5-Minute Discipleship Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Hicks. Hey, thanks for being here today. The goal of this podcast is to inspire you to go deeper and to be stronger in your faith in Jesus. If you're blessed by this podcast, would you tell a friend or even share it on social media? It would mean a lot to me. Today, we are talking about the one thing that makes the church Powerless. For many years, my family and I lived in the city of Los Angeles. A couple of times each year, usually on a special occasion, my wife and I would take a date night to dress up and attend a performance at the LA Philharmonic. Located downtown, the Philharmonic plays at the beautiful Walt Disney Concert Hall. It's truly a spectacular place. Before the concert, we would find our seats and the musicians would gather in place on the stage to tune their instruments. It's always an amazing moment to hear the many instruments come together playing only one key. This is one of the smallest steps in their preparation for the concert, but it is necessary for the music to be beautiful and powerful. You see, their unity as musicians is essential. Unity is also essential for you and I. If we are going to be effective in our witness for the world, we have to come together. You see, the one thing that makes the church powerless is disunity. The best advertisement for Christianity is unity among followers of Christ. Why does it stand out so much? Well, we live in a world filled with disunity and conflict. Think about it. There's conflict at home and in our neighborhoods. There's a lot of conflict on social media, conflict in business, certainly in politics, and sadly, even conflict in churches. In John chapter 17, Jesus prays what is one of his last prayers before going to the cross. Think about it for a moment. If you knew you were in your final hours, what would your last prayer be? In the final moments before Jesus' arrest, he could have prayed for strength. He could have prayed that his 11 remaining followers would support him. He could have prayed for safety and security. Instead, his prayer was dominated by a single thought, that his followers would be united in heart and purpose so that the world would know why Jesus came. For Jesus, he does not pray for himself. He prays for his disciples and he prays for you. Yes, that's right. Jesus prays for you and me in this prayer. Verses 20 and 21 of John 17, Jesus said, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. Jesus really has one request in this prayer, that his followers would come together in unity, that they would be one, and he repeats this request throughout the chapter. Well, the Bible is filled with a focus on unity. God brings us together in all of our brokenness, in all of our differences, and he makes us one people, one body. Like a puzzle of a thousand pieces, God can create a beautiful picture so that together we can reflect Christ to the world. When we come together with all of our brokenness, all of our conflict, our political division, our dysfunctional families, our fractured communities, when we come together in unity, it is a sign to the world that God is at work here. What disunity does to the church is that it brings confusion to our fellowship. It clouds our witness to the community. It brings a reproach upon the witness of Jesus. And it brings discouragement and despair to a congregation. Satan knows that if he can divide us, it will keep us from being healthy and it will keep us from reaching people for Christ. Let me give you a word of caution unity is not our highest goal or ultimate value. You see, obeying God is our ultimate goal. Sometimes people say, Can't we just all get along? It doesn't matter what you believe as long as we just love each other. Well, God's Word calls us together to unity, but it doesn't mean that there are no differences. This doesn't mean that there are no disagreements. It doesn't mean that there is no conflict. Unity doesn't mean that leaders are dictators and they get to do whatever they want without accountability. This doesn't mean that we forget doctrine and let anything go in the church. It means that we recognize that as the Father and Son are one in agreement of purpose and mission, we are to exemplify that unity. Because we are in Christ, there is genuine love. We let go of petty differences. We forgive. We don't hold grudges. We prefer one another. We serve one another. We meet needs. We agree on why we exist as a church and focus on that purpose of bringing lost people into the kingdom of God. When there is this kind of unity, the world will know that something supernatural is occurring here. It is truly a sign that God is present and the world is hungry for this kind of love and unity. And I believe you are too. Let's let the Word of God lead the way. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to fill our lives just like the day of Pentecost when the church was in one mind and one accord. If we will, we can fulfill the great commission to make disciples of all nations. Here's today's challenge. If you have been offended, Give that offense to Jesus. Forgive as He has forgiven you. Unite together with other believers. Help protect the unity of the church. And let's pray together for God's presence and God's power. Hey, thanks again for joining me for today's episode. I'm so grateful to have you as a part of this discipleship community. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast or any of the platforms and leave an honest review. This really does help in a big way. And be sure to check out show notes for today's episode at 5minutediscipleship.com backslash 44. And until next time, let's continue on our journey as followers of Jesus.